God, if you don't like little anthropomorphic seal babies who wear yellow overalls and have a sweet little accent, then you're the fucking worst. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. My name is Andy. Along with me are Kelsey and Ryan, and we have, as usual, some casting news that has been announced. Of course, we'll cover that. Uh, we've got some rumors about who may be at the helm of the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, Marvel dropped a brand new trailer on us this week, and uh, the CW is thinking about maybe rolling some characters that didn't fit on their own show all into one. So, uh, as I mentioned, we had some news about the new Spider-Man movie, and that's what we'll start off for today. Start off with Start today. off for? Yeah, I guess so. Sentences are hard. It's okay. That's what we'll start off with today. That's a that's a word that works. Um, uh, and that is that we have a whole bunch of rumors going around. Unfortunately, this hasn't been confirmed just yet, but with the like rapid-fire face that, pace that's been being covered, uh, it seems like this is almost inevitable. But Drew Goddard, uh, who uh, was originally going to put out put together the Sinister Six film uh, is apparently in talks with Sony to direct the next, uh, to write and direct, excuse me, uh, the next Spider-Man movie. I was, uh, you know, he's done a handful of other things. He scripted The Martian, which is like being made with uh, Matt Damon right now. He wrote... Hey, Cabin in the Woods. That's all that matters to me, man. Yeah, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, I think Cloverfield is on the list as well, as I is... I think we need to acknowledge his most important IMDb credit, which is fake Thomas Jefferson from Dr. Horrible. <laughs> yes. He's like best buds with Joss Whedon, which yeah. is why it wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets uh, attached to this project. He, he wrote five episodes of Buffy, five episodes of Angel... He he's also an executive producer on the entire Daredevil Netflix series, so he already has like a foot in Marvel. So it just really wouldn't surprise me if they put him on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, the foot in the door is what a lot of these uh, outlets seem to be really referencing as the possibility that he could actually be the head of this thing. Like, I wasn't too keen on the World War Z like movie adaptation, but. You know, Ryan's right. Cabin that in the was, Woods is a fantastic, uh, like, horror film. That was the one with Brad Pitt, though, right? Yeah. That was zombies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, it Not wasn't good. at all. And Cloverfield, like, it was kind of like a really cool concept. But... Um, Dude, am I, like, the only person in the world that loves that movie? <sighs> yes. Well, I thought, like, when I got out of that movie, I was like, everyone loves this. And just over time, everyone I talked to was like, oh, Cloverfield, fuck that movie. I don't know. Like, Cloverfield just – I, like, half love that movie. Like, I love the idea of the concept of following, you know, the events, like, down on the ground. Like, uh, a bad movie that I really have, like, a soft spot for is – I think it's Diary of the Dead. It's, like, the one where the guys oh, are walking yeah. around with that fucking video yes. camera. Like, yeah, I really like that movie. It's bad, you know. But no, I'm I, with you. I I agree. I I like that movie too. I like when that Amish dude who's deaf like throws a grenade at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's cool to see like a film from a different perspective, you know? Because like, at, at least in that, I felt like neither one of those movies, Cloverfield or um, Diary of the Dead, resorted to like the Blair Witch Project effect, where it's like they're doing so much like running with the camera that it's like ridiculous. 
Oh, I don't know, dude. Like, when I saw Cloverfield, like, I have vertigo in the first place, so it wasn't super great for me. But when I, like, I had to leave, like, uh, 40 minutes in or something because it was too bad for me and I felt, like, super nauseous. And I went to, like, the women's room and, like, the movie theater I was at and literally the walls were, like, covered in puke. So I was definitely not the only person who felt that way. <laughs> so, like, I'm all for creative editing techniques and filming, but that was... I know, yeah, I know a lot of people got motion sickness during that movie too. Yeah, yeah. so like you know, <laughs> you know, admittedly, like I have, I'm pretty good with the motion sickness, but you know, I feel like Cloverfield inspired the new Godzilla a lot. Yeah, because it was the whole like you don't see the monster really until almost the end of the movie. I was mean Jaws. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 but I mean, like that's kind of what like Clover they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I know I love Jaws. Oh man. Yo, Kels, There's literally you know a Jaws poster on my wall. Did you right know that Drew Goddard wrote an episode of Lost with BKV? Um, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, apparently episode uh, season four, episode two, confirmed dead, uh, was written by Drew Goddard and BKV. I, which is disgusting is that I know exactly what episode that is. <laughs> oh God, I was so bad about that show. Andy, before you said that, I thought you were going to be like, did you know Drew Goddard wrote Jaws? And I was like, don't fuck with me. <laughs> I don't even know if Drew Goddard existed when Jaws was out. Oh, he did, oh, he, yeah. did he did, he did. He's born in 1975. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm I, I'm excited just to get some, a new set of eyes and a new set of hands on Spider-Man. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and... Hey, like a staff writer on Buffy and Angel, like to some degree, like Spider-Man kind of has the same like oh, levity yeah. of like cracking jokes in like terrible situations. So yeah. I was really excited for a Sinister Six uh, like adaptation, which I'm pretty much guessing is going to be scrapped now. Yeah. I'm, it's still listed on his IMDb, but uh, like especially if he jumps into Spider-Man with Marvel, Fox is going to like – or Sony's just going to like, nope jettison yeah. him out <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah but who even knows if that movie's gonna exist anymore probably not i doubt it but it would be cool i wonder you know like we've been talking a lot about how studios have been just like picking up properties i wonder if we're gonna start to see some of that uh some of those things kind of get uh, like trimmed back you know as you know they pick up other things and people are like you know maybe we really don't want to do a sinister six film as terrible they, as that sounds they probably will but the We'll all just be heartbroken forever. <laughs> and then Avengers 2 will come out. They'll be they'll be like, that made how much money? Yeah, we're doing superhero movies. <laughs> They're like, we want the rights to Alpha Flight. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and everybody knows how we feel about our favorite Canadian hero team. <laughs> exactly. We want a power pack movie. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's do it. Sorry, my I was laughing so hard that my headphones literally fell off my head right now. Um, we should try to acquire the rights for Alpha Flight and make our own movie. <laughs> oh, yes, that would be a that would be a movie that would be a lot of fun to make. Because like, think about it. Like, you're not gonna have like a super enormous amount of nerds who are like, "Hey, man, like I know all the Alpha Flight details." Like, you would really have a lot of flexibility with what you could write in that film. Let's cast Peter Dinklage as Puck. Yep. <laughs> nope. I would. That's the only person to cast as Puck ever. Don. Done. Oh my god. Oh, uh, so good. So so good. <laughs> Let's do it immediately. Really amazing. Uh but uh yeah, you know, speaking of the uh Marvel's leading team, the Marvel's Age of Ultron 
movie is steadily approaching. Um, and uh, just yesterday, I believe, right? The, yeah, yesterday, uh, they released the third trailer here. Not too much new, just a bunch more shots. We got to see Vision um, as well. There's some yeah, cool awesome. shots of Ultron and Tony Stark talking about how guilty he is. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, two more minutes of Avengers. and. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Like, we've been talking about this movie a lot. And, like, I've been wanting this for so long. But I just forgot it was coming out, like, this year. <laughs> two months. Yeah. Like, I Less wasn't than ready. two months. I saw, like, at the end, like, May 1st or whatever the fuck the date is. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, they're selling tickets already. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like it's real. Like, I've just been waiting for this day for so long. <laughs> I'm just so excited. I just want to see um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in their weird inhuman-y thing. I want to see what that happens. Yeah, that shot of uh, Quicksilver punching the shit out of Cap was pretty cool. Yeah. There's also one of uh, Scarlet Witch with um, Natasha at the end, I think. Yeah. And it just looks so dope, and I just want to see it. <laughs> Dude, Paul Bettany opening his eyes as Vision. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, we haven't seen him at all, other than concept art, really. Yeah, just some, like, concept sketches and concept, like, uh, like wireframe stuff at a uh, convention, I want to say, like, a couple weeks ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I, I'm super excited for this movie. May 1st, we're so damn close to this film. And I know. Uh-huh. Ryan, just drive down to Southern California and come see it with us. Oh, okay. I'll get on it. Okay. All right. You may or may not see me there. <laughs> you I'm said it out it. loud. I'm gonna leave it up in the air. He's going to be like, he's gonna like Texas, like, up. don't worry, guys. I'm sitting in the back of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Thursday night. We're going to have to skip the podcast. Oh, no. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I think we'll just we'll just bring our microphone to the podcast, me and Kelsey, and we'll just do the podcast from the front row of the theater, and just have to deal with terrible people being loud. I'm sure no one will be pissed about that. Yeah, no, there's no way that would be allowed. Um, <laughs> I'm um, that day off right now, Andy. We're gonna do that yeah. well, without the microphone, but like we're gonna go see the movie. <laughs> sure, definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, so yeah, so we got that brand new trailer. It was specifically released in the UK, but just like everything, it's available on the internet. So there's a link in the show notes if somehow you missed it. Speaking of <laughs> television networks picking up <laughs> all kinds of brand new comic characters, this network has just been throwing immense amounts of money at named people. And uh, CBS's Supergirl has added uh, not just two, but four new actors to its uh, to its cast. Excuse me, uh, and they will be adding Chyler Lay and his name David Harrowood, <laughs> who are from Grey's Anatomy and Homeland, most recently, respectively. And they are going to be playing uh, the roles of Alex Danvers. And then uh, Harrowood's going to be playing Hank Henshaw. So that's like Cyborg Superman in the future, I believe. Uh, and then we uh, we also had like an hour after that news broke. They said that uh, Dean Cain and Helen Slater, Dean Cain who starred in uh, Lois and Clark, and Helen Slater who was in Supergirl back in 1984. The Supergirl and, movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know... <laughs> CBS has said they're in unnamed roles. Like, I kind of feel like it's pretty obvious who Dean Cain and Helen Slater are going to be playing in the <laughs> CBS film. Like, Dude, if I no lie, I fucking love Dean Cain as Superman. Yeah, 
Like, I watch Lois and Clark religiously. And no. that show is awful. <laughs> oh my god, no. But but the show has, like, all kinds of, like, tiny little wonderful moments in it. But as a whole, as, like, a an actually written TV show, it was, yeah, pretty bad. I'm pretty sure, like, Howie Mandel shows up as Mr. Mixio Plixic at one point. Ooh, yeah, that seems good, I think. Um, but, but no lie. Like when I saw that, I was like, cool. I, I always was like a fan of Dean Cain being Superman on film. I, I would have been fine with it. Yeah. Like if, if right after Lois Clark, they had been like, we're making a Superman movie and Dean Cain's going to be it. I, w- I think I would have bought it. Like, that's fine. I would have gone and seen that film. You know, I, I think it'd be awesome if, if they really do end up just being, just playing like Superman and Super and uh, Supergirl. I think they could also, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like Cadmus might be involved. Uh, I, I read somewhere that um, that uh, the speculation was that like Dean Cain was going to be playing like Jor-El, and that he would be like you know not playing Kal-El, but I don't well, know. I don't think they have the rights, right? Yeah, like I, well, it's like how in Smallville, so... Tom Welling was never allowed to; he couldn't wear the costume. Yeah, it's so murky, like where all of the like different rights got divided up into. That it is kind of unusual, but I mean... This one out of all of them, though, is like the one... Because it's Supergirl, it's like, but Superman's not going to be in it. It's like that Birds of Prey show, and they're like, but Batman's not in it. Yeah, but it's totally not Batman. Oracle and Catwoman and like Joker and Harley Quinn all show up, but Batman's not here. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like, this series does have like a ton of other people attached to it that are very, very interesting. I'm really excited to see Melissa Benoit as uh, Supergirl, and I think that David Harewood, like, he played the, like, head of the CIA on Homeland, and he just basically played, like, a bureaucrat with a stick up his ass the whole time, who's willing to, you know, play outside the boundaries, and I think that's fine for Hank Henshaw, so, you know, maybe... Yeah, Hank Henshaw's kind of a shitbag. Yeah, he's kind of... I mean, he runs the Department of Extra Normal Operations, right? So... <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm just so amped about Shyler Lee um, because as a proud owner of a uterus, I love the fuck out of Grey's Anatomy. Oh. And... <laughs> She spoilers, uh, although not really, because this happened like six seasons ago. But she was killed off like super dramatically, and it like broke me as a person for a long time. <laughs> but now that I get to see her again, <laughs> it just makes me so happy. Like I don't even care about the rest of the show or the actors at this point. I just really want to watch her again on TV. And, and it seems like she's gonna be playing uh, like uh, Danvers is a doctor as well, so. Yeah, <laughs> she's just she's been typecast, but that's a really awesome like archetype for like a lady person to be like shoved into all the time. I only know her as Jeannie Briggs from Not Another Teen Movie. <laughs> I forgot that was God. a thing. <laughs> so if we could just refer to her as Jeannie Briggs for the rest of the time, that'd be great. Oh man, the early aughts were not kind. <laughs> Let's not forget Chris Evans is in that movie. Yes, oh he God. is. There's a ton of people whose careers turned out much better. You know what's another movie movie that I was thinking of that's like that, where it has, like, a lot of, like, popular, or maybe not popular is the right word, but, like, well-known, like, actors and stuff, but it was kind of, like, just, like, this weird shitbag movie that nobody liked from, like, back in the day? Is that movie Get Over It? It has, like, it's basically, like, a retelling of, like, Midsummer's Night's Dream, Um, but it has, like, Ben Foster and Colin Hanks and Cisco and Vitamin C and Kirsten Dunst and... 
<laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Oh man, the cover to that movie bumps me out so hard. It's so good. It oh. takes place in like 1990s slash early 2000s Canada. So everything's super stylish. It's literally like a graphic designer's wet dream. Um, it's so good. And vitamin C is like in it for like the first like six minutes of the movie where it's just like a really prolonged like song. <laughs> the tagline to that movie is split happens. <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> but i love it so much and martin short's in it too and like it's so ridiculous please watch it <laughs> zoe saldana is in this movie mila kunis is in this movie yeah, as is. well she what plays kirsten dunn's top friend who gets like a navel ring done in a club and cisco's in love with her and teaches her how to dance <laughs> before he has his own musical number at the end it's so good please everybody if you like anything that's good and holy and a symbol of a better time then you should watch that movie get over it i think it's on netflix <laughs> I'm sure you could find that movie on Netflix, right? It is. I'm pretty sure because I saw it on there. I was like, fuck yeah. And I watched it three <laughs> times on repeat. Yeah. That was just Ryan's body violently disagreeing yeah. with me. <laughs> That's like, what happens don't whenever do I see Cursed Nuts. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, well, don't worry. Like, she's why is not your face so crooked? <laughs> well, oh don't God. worry, Ryan. She's not involved in the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> But uh, something that something that Ryan probably, hopefully, doesn't have a violent bodily response to, uh, <laughs> considering that Captain Cold is uh, involved in this announcement, and that's that uh, CW has announced they're thinking about doing a Flash Arrow spinoff with a handful of the uh, minor characters from the series, uh, namely. They're looking at grabbing uh, Brandon Ruth, who was uh, Ray Palmer or The Atom, uh, Katie Lloyds, who uh, was Sarah Lance or Canary, uh, and then uh, from The Flash, Wentworth Miller, who was Captain Cold, and Victor Garber, who was one half of the Firestorm duo. And while all four of these characters, I think we were talking about before the show, we didn't like have any problem with any of these characters. We all liked Brandon Ruth especially, but none of them really could carry their own show. Like, yeah. I would probably watch a show about Brandon Ruth as the Adam, but I don't know if the rest of America would. But only if Felicity was in it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because let's be real, she makes it. I read a lot of Adam comics for some goddamn reason back in, like, the <laughs> mid-90s. I don't know why. And uh, they were pretty bad. Like, his villain, his his rogues gallery is pretty fucking terrible. Uh, he just doesn't have really anyone interesting. I just don't understand, like... I can understand Captain Cold a little because in the comics, especially since Jeff Johns took over Flash like in the 2000s or whatever, Captain Cold's been more of a sympathetic villain. Like yeah. he has he has more of a moral ground than some villains. Like he created the rule that rogues don't kill. Yeah. Um, but half of Firestorm really throws me off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like. <laughs> Is it just like, oh, man, you know, I guess, you know, half Firestorm will be interesting. I think Robbie Amell is probably tapped on to stay on Flash. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So it'd be easier to have Martin Stein be kind of a Felicity, Dr. Wells type character. Yeah. Who every once in a while becomes Firestorm. I can see that. That's not, you know, that's not as bad. I don't know. Like, I guess what they're hoping is that they would just... Put it all together and see what happens. It, it was also hinted like a couple months back at a TCA, Television Critics Association, tour. Um, and 
they described it as a spin-off featuring Brandon Ruth as the Adam. So maybe that means he's got more of a leading role here, but Yeah, honestly, I would watch an Adam show way harder than I would ever. Like I probably wouldn't watch Firestorm if that were just a spin-off from that. Um I wouldn't care. And like um what's Ronnie's part is like as far as his um involvement in the flash right now just super boring and i just don't care like every time he's on screen i was like i don't just show me felicity <laughs> like turned into a different show entirely and just let me watch felicity again or just show me cisco because i love my super smart like hispanic scientist but um honestly anybody but him like he's just such a boring character like i don't see like how ryan was saying i just don't see him carrying anything on his own they would probably want to use it as a platform because there's characters that they've introduced. Uh, they introduced Wildcat and Katana both in Arrow, and yeah. they've never really like had more of a part. And Huntress. Uh, yeah, and Huntress. Mm-hmm. So there's characters that they could use who are smaller characters who couldn't carry their own show, and like they could use it as a platform to bring a lot more characters. Because they even said for that show, they, they like they wanted to bring, I think two more characters that have never been on TV before. Let's just call it the B-list adventure hour. <laughs> Whatever. If it's Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, <laughs> then you got my vote. But I would watch the shit out of Black Canary, though. Like, I love Sarah. I think she's great, and I want everything to do with her and her fancy lesbian relationship. <laughs> I just want it all. I love her. Yeah, but I mean, I think Arrow's kind of hit a nice... Um... A nice stride as of late, wouldn't you guys say? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think Arrow and Flash both have. Yeah. Like, those two shows I'm just never really disappointed in, except for, like, that one episode of The Flash that we're just not going to talk about. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, horrible. Yeah. But other than that, like, they really haven't done me wrong, so. Can't All the Firestorm stuff has been really cool. The whole uh, Harrison Wells reveal was done really well. I'm excited for Flash to come back. And, yeah, Arrow's, Arrow's got the coolest fucking fight scenes on TV, man. Yeah, dude, I was fucking. It's such a good show. Like, how I don't understand why people will watch Gotham but not watch Arrow. But it blows because, my fucking mind. It's because, because I've pitched it to people. I'm like, hey, you should really watch Arrow. Oh, it's on CW. I don't want to deal with that like drama romance stuff. What? And I'm like, okay, but you're gonna watch like fucking Donald Logue oh, just man. drool over Gina Pinkett Smith. Yeah, that's fucking rad. Ugh. Good. Weird. <laughs> they're like not willing. Forward. They just see CW and they're like, "Oh, wasn't Gilmore Girls on that channel?" And I'm like, um, "Yeah." You shut your dirty mouth, at whoever is protesting Ryan here, because Gilmore <laughs> Girls is a fucking gem and a national treasure. So you can fuck right off. How about that? Yeah, we have a network that had Gilmore Girls and still has Supernatural. Fuck off. You should watch everything on it except like <laughs> the garbage shows. By the way, just got confirmed for season eleven. That show's <laughs> gonna be on when I have kids. Yeah, it's gonna be on forever. They're gonna My be kids old gonna ass be like, men. Yeah, it's gonna be like a soap opera. They're gonna be like, Dad, it, this show's been on for twenty years. It is a soap opera. To be fair, though, Supernatural actually came in super handy at one of my college lectures the other day um, because I'm taking Chicano Lit. So we were talking about The Legend of La Llorona and um, the first, I want to say it's like the pilot episode or like the second episode or whatever, where it's like the woman in white one. That's literally what that is. So I was like, oh, yeah, because we were discussing like its effect in pop culture for the myth. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's this episode of Supernatural. And all the girls like, what? (laughs) So good. Yeah. yeah, so it relates. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, Andy, you should really watch fucking Supernatural. I don't oh, know right, how many yes. times we've told you. Do that. 
Don't I, think I forgot, motherfucker. I won't lie. <laughs> like, I, like, I will watch Supernatural, like, occasionally when it's on, but, like, watching it from, like, beginning to end is just, like, that's a journey that I'm just not prepared to go on yet. Uh, you know, just because it's, it's a, a good lot journey. of... It's a lot of Sam and Dean, and I don't know if I can take both of them being on the screen at once all the time for me. Uh, dude, but, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan is in, like, the first four seasons. Also, you should just keep in mind that it's really funny just to watch it all, like, in one sitting, like, really quickly. If you're marathoning it, because you get to hear how Dean's voice is, like, super high-pitched and normal in the beginning and slowly gets more and more gravelly as it goes on. <laughs> and some... It literally sounds like he just swallows, like, a plate full of rocks for dinner every night. Like, like smokes three packs of cigarettes in between. I mean, each uh, each take literally uh, just takes like a cheese grater to his Adam's apple or something like I don't understand how he does it, but <laughs> it just gets so much more like every episode he's on his voice is somehow deeper. And I'm like, I don't understand <laughs> uh, just like in the same vein, we were talking about Arrow and like the fight scenes. I wanted I went hunting while you guys were. Yeah, of course, you know, uh, and uh, I think the right people to credit for that is J.J. Macaro and John Kraut, who are the stunt coordinator and assistant stunt coordinator. Stunt coordinator. Both are listed as like fight coordinators, stunt doubles and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, man, I don't know how they have such good fights on like a TV budget, but clearly they're doing something right over there. So it's like, way to go, you two. Yeah, geez. Like, and, and especially like because... You know, Arrow has, like, gadgets, but, you know, it's not like Oliver doesn't have, like, you know, crazy super speed or super strength or anything. So they really get the most out of, like, kind of the universe, which is pretty fantastic. And uh, I think we kind of got the most out of news for today because that was all we had for the week. Uh, Moving on, we've got a whole bunch of comics that came out, a couple that we've been waiting a long time, and probably the comic that I think we've been waiting the longest time since its last release is none other than Rat Queens number nine, uh, which came out this week. I know Kel's, uh, well, I think all of us were super (laughs) excited about. And as usual, Image Comics puts out a great, like, creator-run, beautifully illustrated, well-written book. I know, like, I actually was, like, at the start of this year, I was like, wait, I don't know where I am here. And I actually went back. I hadn't read eight. I had somehow, like, missed eight. And so I got to have a double dose of Rat Queens this week, which was pretty nice. But, I don't know, Curtis Weeby is continually very, very good. And uh, this this issue actually marks the first appearance of uh, Stehan, uh, Stehan? Stepan? Stepan. I yeah, Stay you are Cedric, a better person than I am. I have no idea. Who is coming onto the comic after uh, Curtis Weeby announced the uh, departure of the previous. Rock uh, Upchurch. Yeah, Rock Upchurch after he was, uh, was it convicted? Alleged? Kind of a, kind of a total dick, yeah. we'll just say. <laughs> I think he had a domestic violence uh, yeah. charge that was alleged against him. And uh, Curtis Weeby said that that was not the uh, kind of artist that he wanted to work in his book. So, Cedric is... Uh, I think he's doing still a great job. Like, I think my favorite panel in the entire book is when, what is it, the the female orc, and she's, like, got her backpack on, and she's like, yeah, <laughs> I totally found out that uh, Betty's in my backpack. And she's like, I found the exit, guys. Like, with her, just her finger, like, sticking out of the top. Oh, it's just super wonderful. Cute. Uh, Betty's, like, pretty much the best thing about Rat Queens ever. Yeah, she's super cute. I love her. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know, like, I think there's some really fucking awesome stuff going on in the book. Kels, how excited are you for Rat Queens? First of all, I was super amped because I 
Sedgwick? Is that where how we're saying his name? Sedgwick, yeah. Sedgwick. I love his art so much more than Rock Up Churches. Like, I can't even tell you. Like, when I looked at it, I was like, I didn't realize that there had been a shift. And I was like, man, this looks beautiful. And then I checked it. I was like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. But I love, like, the opening-ish scene with Hannah and her mom where she's kind of, like, hallucinating this thing. And it kind of blew my mind because I like at Queens, it's my like girl gang kind of equivalent like that I had before Bitch Planet or before Curb Stomp or anything like that. And I've always like they have like the rowdiest fucking most badass female cast ever. And this is one of the only times where I've gotten like, oh, my God. And like actually like kind of sad at what happened. Oh, with like Hannah's mom. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Rat Queens, I'm not ready for this. Like, I come here just to like kick ass and take names not to get all sad and real <laughs> but they just go ahead and persevere and are continuing to be super fucking rad and just like decapitating dudes and um like stabbing him in the fucking chest and going to rescue men like i love it so much <laughs> it's so good curtis weavy's writing is just so fantastic yeah like you know you mentioned that like opening scene like right at the beginning with like hannah and her mom like it's only like three pages long or whatever but like i feel like we learned so much about hannah her mom what her life was like as like a kid Mm -hmm. and like that panel when you can see the the guard like and his like a sword in the scabbard like oh my god like my eyes were like what wait what is that oh yeah it is oh my god it made me so sad but also i just there is I'm looking for the panel right now. Um dun, 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 dun. I don't remember where it was. It's when they're trying to like barge into the city to like start like fighting these like giant monster thingies that are everywhere. Oh uh, yeah, is is it when they're like all lined up and it's like the Oh yeah everyone's so, all together? And they all say like, Yeah, pretty sure this is the place and then there's the two guards and my favorite thing is those two panels of this entire issue because it's one of the guards is like saying like, what the hell are you going on about? We are an army. Like we can defend against these people. And then the other guy just looks super tired and isn't even taking it. He's just, oh, Brad, 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 Brad. You are so fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and then they proceed to get their asses handed to them by the Rat Queens and it slayed me. Oh, man. Oh, so good. And then, like, another thing that I really like about this one is that, like, a lot of times, like, comic book, like, action scenes and, like, fight scenes, I'm just kind of like, I don't really know what's happening. Because, like, if an artist doesn't know how to, like, draw your eye from, like, one place to another, like, it's a compliment that we, like, routinely give to, like, Zdarsky and Sex Criminals and um, Christian Ward and Odyssey. Like, they just know how to catch your attention and, like, in super unconventional ways, just have you go follow along where they want you to. And I feel like that happens a lot in this issue as well because there's fight scenes like there's one where betty's like running towards these dudes before she like slides on the ground like slashes their fucking ankles open and their achilles heel and like the way that the team's like working together and just like the way that they illustrate it to show that is just so fucking brutal and i love it so much like i felt like i was watching an action movie not reading like a 30 page comic it was super good yeah i my favorite thing about the um, about the Rat Queens as a comic in general is that um, something that Stepan Sedgwick has done a great job of as well, and um, that uh, what was his name Rock, 
anyways, the former artist also uh, did with Rat Queens is they very much like established like a color for each of the ladies. And like you can very much like follow everyone within the comic. And when you see the panel like right after uh, when Betty like slides beneath her like legs and everything Mm -hmm. and we have like Hannah and everyone like fighting, like even just the colors that are used in the background and for the effects, like it almost, like you said, like leads your eye like down the page from one place to another. And there's just such a brilliant sense of like motion and like, like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like still life. It feels like the pictures, you know, like you said, they could almost be moving. So, mm-hmm. um, God, I love this comic. Me too. Also, random, did you know that they were supposed to make Rat Queens into an animated series? Uh, yeah. As I far- remember that that got announced a while ago. Yeah, yeah that, like that got 2014. announced actually before we began the podcast. And as far as I know, that has not been canceled. It's still possibly in the air is happening. Um, I couldn't find anything. I actually looked that up as well this week. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't find anything that was like confirming it as like for sure on or for sure off. Who? Yeah, knows? I'd never heard of that somehow. And I looked at it and I was like, what? I mean, like, so like, could you imagine like Rat Queens being on at like Adult Swim, like after, um, you know, whatever's running on Adult Swim right now? I have no I- idea. Absolutely fucking good, and I would stay up and actually get cable. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool also to see that being thought of as like an animated series as well, because I think so often nowadays we're like, oh, we want to take our comic and like put it into a live action show, you know? Yeah. And I think live action is awesome when it works, but some of the beauty of comics really shines when you can put it in like an animated TV show. Like, I, I you ask any '90s kid about (laughs) <laughs> their thoughts about Batman and I'm guarantee you that at X-Men. some point in the conversation yeah, or X-Men and I guarantee you that the animated series of either Batman the animated series or 90s X-Men comes into the picture you know yeah so Chew was supposed to be turned into a cartoon forever ago too with Steven Yeun as the voice of the main character oh my god and Felicia Day as the voice of the main girl you know Ryan we're Just supposed to not be teasing people with magical ideas that might happen in the future we're I'm just, just supposed to not be teasing magical ideas about Steven Yoon because every time we do, my heart like skips a thousand beats and then I just I can't do it. It was announced, but there hasn't been news since May of last year. Yeah. Boo. You know what that means? That means that uh like the treatment is probably like sitting on some executive's desk somewhere in like the middle of a giant stack of like show ideas. And uh either that or it means that like Steven Yoon hasn't uh his agent hasn't like gotten to him. He doesn't have time. Yeah, he's too busy filming Walking Dead. He's too busy being amazing. That um, show takes like a year and a half to film, right? Because that's how long it takes to fucking watch. Uh, <laughs> it takes like three days to watch if you just do what I do and just don't watch anything until this after the season finale, and then you just shotgun it in an airport. <laughs> you have three days. Three days an episode, right? That's what you mean. <laughs> no, because <laughs> no. I just keep falling asleep. So. Uh, but uh, I actually think that their I think their production schedule is like is like six to eight months like of the year that they shoot Something for. Ridiculous. It's disgusting. That's longer than most movies. Yeah. I mean, ugh. I can't even imagine being on like a a fucking set for like eight months and uh... it just takes eight months for Norman's, Norman Norman hair to grow out that long. <laughs> I don't think he ever cuts it. 
I don't think so either. Like actually. every like picture he's ever posted on Instagram has been like the exact same length. Like he just look, he just takes down, he just brings in his own like Daryl wardrobe. They don't even have to dress him. Yeah, I feel I feel like that's exactly what happens. Like they're just like, oh yeah, um, good job, Norman. Uh, thanks for reading the script. And he's like, what? <laughs> what script? He had a script. <laughs> it's like I just didn't wear a suit today. Well, what's that one movie? I think it was. Um, oh my god, it's one of those end of the world movies with um, Seth Rogen and all them. Uh, is this is the end. Yes, yes, yes. So um, like Craig Robinson did a, um interview like back when that was like coming out because they're all playing themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they're all wearing their own clothes and stuff. But because it's like a movie and they have to have like wardrobe and shit, then they like whoever was in charge of like all the wardrobe and like props and accessories and whatnot literally just made like exact copies. And Craig Robinson used to say how he would have to like he would come onto the set like wearing his own clothes and then they would swap out like his chain that he was wearing for an identical chain that was just like a um, prop instead and then just like different stuff like that so i imagine that's pretty much the exact same with norman reedus and his outfits (laughs) he like has an identical he has an identical set of outfits sitting in his trailer or whatever i don't i don't doubt it Well, we also had another image book that we had to wait a super freaking long time for. Well, it's not immensely long, but too long. Like a month. <laughs> too long. Every any amount of time is too long. Uh, I just like to be like, like, can I just get like a brain feed of like, uh, like information and images from BKV and Fiona Staples so they can just like beam it to my brain. Like, you know, eventually we'll get the comic there. I just want to see the group. Yeah. Is that an image direct service? I'd like to sign up for that subscription. <laughs> but of course, we're talking about uh, Saga 26 uh, from Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Uh, this one, again, follows the separated parts of our uh, party and also includes Goose, which means that it's a fantastic comic and should be read <laughs> immediately. Two of the cutest goose panels ever. Oh my gosh, when he's sleeping, like. Um. So that's fucking adorable, and especially because he's sleeping, it shows him sleeping in his tiny little bunk, and he has like a pack of open snacks on him. <laughs> but then also the first time you see him in the book, um, this time as he's coming out of a bathroom and he's putting his overalls back on. <laughs> it's the cutest. Ugh. God, if you don't like little anthropomorphic seal babies who wear yellow overalls and have a sweet little accent, then you're the fucking worst and you should stop listening. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> or you should just admit to yourself that you really a- do adore Goose for what he is. So Yeah, he's the cutest. And same thing with Baby Hazel, which we always go over because she is, like, breathing on glass and, like, drawing pictures and just being super fucking cute in general. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, But this one has – we get to see some more of that kind of, like, uh, diverse cast of – what are they? The Last Revolution? Yeah. Um, When they all show up. Um, And uh, we also get to see – uh, some clever thinking from the group of all the ladies who are encountering the, uh, I guess, Lady Dragons as well now, right? Yeah, literally, if they just wanted to have, like, a spinoff series where it's just those, like, three women and their two pets, like, going around adventuring, I would be so fucking down. They could just take all my paychecks. I will sign them over to them directly. I don't care. Direct, my 401k. Direct withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they, I will... F- 
fucking Patreon the shit out of them. I don't care. Like, I just want a Gwen and Brand and Sophie and Sweet Boy and Lion Cat comic so bad. I don't even know what to do with myself. And I'm just dreading the day when they finish, like, their adventure and they part ways. <laughs> because it's so perfect. And Sophie is the sweetest, like, smartest little girl on the planet. And comes up like an awesome idea to translate and speak to like the lizard ladies who pu- who previously urinated all over their faces. <laughs> I think also the cool thing is that uh, we get to see that Lion Cat's ability works if it can understand what people are doing, you know? Yeah. So because the translation pendant gets used on the on the crazy dragons, Lion Cat can tell that they're lying, which was just like uh <laughs> Also, can we talk about how we have possibly either a relative or a um same like kind of like i don't know member of the same tribe as the stock who comes and it looks like is hunting sophie which is fucking distressing to me like it makes me happy that there's more spider people because the stock was my everything when she was still alive but i'm also really upset because i fucking love sophie more than anyone (laughs) so i haven't i haven't gone i haven't gone all the way like through after seeing this panel, but I feel like at one point we may have seen that spidery stock like character so. before. But I, I might be wrong. Like I said, I haven't gone back and checked. Like I'll go reread everything right now. It would be my distinct pleasure to do that for you to fact check. But like I just don't think so. You don't already have like all of it memorized. I feel like I do. Also, can we just talk real like for like one second about how when they're showing. Like, now they started showing the face of, like, the baby prince robot and how he's, his little picture that he shows on his screen is just, like, all discombobulated, like it's going out of service because he doesn't know what to look at his, like, picture yet. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't know how so to talk cute. or communicate or anything yet. You it's know? so cute. It's not like it's gay porn, like, shit that shows on his dad's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, it always has been, like, the the little touches that really, uh, you know, that make it. Yeah. Um, like when uh, Yuma, right? Yuma is that? Her yeah, name? she's like all high. Lady. Yeah, and she calls and she calls uh, she calls Marco Beard of Sorrow. <laughs> um, speaking of Beard of Sorrow, can we just say how fucking heartbreaking this last panel is? Like, ugh, God. I just, I don't know how to process it. Oh, did you finish reading it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You said you saw Sweet Goose sleeping, so yeah, you got to the end. But, oh, God, Marco, no. You and your terrible life choices. Stop it. (laughs) Don't play with my heart like this, BKV. I can't do it. I can't wait another month just to know what happens and if he'll be okay. Just (laughs) make it be okay. Have they, did they release the, um... The preview for panel for that at all? No. Oh, it looks like the little, so. the little like mark in the back for oh gosh, we gotta wait all the way till April eighth for twenty. Um shows what actually I can only think is a more grown up hazel, but Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh in like the letter section or whatever. But yeah, I mean there's some kind of like weird hallucinogenic stuff going on. Dango has maybe some second thoughts. Um, because he makes terrible life choices. As so. well, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, but we Dango. already knew that. Impulsive? The guy who shot the queen of his civilization? Princess Robot? Yeah, wow. yeah, that's, well, yeah, that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I- I'm glad to see that 
they're they're still have this whole group in here you know i think we can all kind of see that this might be going a little awry or wrong lots south going uh, way south yeah uh, so it should be interesting um as usual uh fiona staples does a fantastic job in the art and uh, bkv uh his writing is just yeah. on point. Yeah, pretty perfect. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I really adored the art um, in the Princess Leia number one that we ended up getting uh, from Terry Dodson and Rachel Dodson on uh, pencils, inks, respectively. Mark Wade did the writing and Jordi Belair did the coloring. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. Like, I just like looking at it. Like that first, um, first of all, the cover is fucking great. But the first panel with her and Luke and Han, just like giving them the medals and whatnot, I just want to look at it forever. Like, it's just so pretty. Uh, Luke's a creep. <laughs> I just In don't what, like. What sense? She's just like, why are you looking at me like that? And he's like, I was looking at you kind of strangely. I'm like, Mark Wade, what kind of writing is that? Like, God. <laughs> Well, okay, but hold on. Here's the thing, though, right? You got to think about it. Like, in the time of this Star Wars thing, like, Luke probably still has, like, a super hard-on crush for Leia, right? Like, Yeah, which bums me out. If Mark Wade tries to give me any more weird incest scenes, like, God, the weird, like, super awkward kiss is enough. Well, no, but, well, here's the good thing, right? Like, he just leaves it at them being awkward, and they don't really, like, deal with that at at all through, like, the rest of the comic. So, I don't know. I think it was just kind of, like, a weird, like transition piece to get her it's to like talk. a hey remember when this happened in that movie <laughs> yeah i you know i think it's just a little easter egg there but you know we can all agree that the absolute best page of this comic is page seven when uh admiral akbar shows up and he is just like yelling at everyone <laughs> to try and get ready faster at one point he says like you eyes open stop looking at one thing at a time like oh my gosh every time i see admiral akbar i can't help but like hear his voice as zoidberg like, that's all I fucking hear. You all have Admiral Akbar. Well, not Zoidberg. <laughs> like, when I read this, I was like, oh, Zoidberg. <laughs> oh, man. But, Every time uh, I see that emoticon, that's like the colon with the three next to it. I don't know. It's actually supposed to be like a kitty or something, but it just looks like Zoidberg to me. <laughs> it's my favorite one because of that. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, we have uh, we have a whole bunch of like good story development here dealing with like the consequences after the Battle of Yavin and Alderaan being destroyed. I really um, like the new character that they introduced. Uh, yeah, what was her name? Uh, Yv- Yvonne, I guess is how you pronounce it. Yvonne, kind of looks like yeah. It's E V A A N. So I don't know, but um, she was a cool character. Like I thought her and Princess Leia had a cool, like an interesting dynamic. But yeah, no, I I agree, Yvonne. I like I like her showing up. I like having a different, weird take on you know uh, getting a look at Alderanian society. And I I love the hologram bit with General Dodona, um, <laughs> uh, but you know it's I think it's a great it's a great comic. They um, you know they get each of these ladies all get a time to shine, and I mean if this is gonna be like Gal Pals and R two <laughs> like solving problems in the Star Wars universe, like you can sign me up. I know in two weeks when we get the next issue, I'll be picking that up, but. It just seemed great. I just liked her the most like that because 
we see like we never really get that perspective of someone who follows orders because like Han Solo is a smuggler he's a pirate and Luke yeah. is just a whiny bitch who doesn't understand anything until like episode six <laughs> so to have like someone who has like a lot of just like and kind of a little more rigid it's not something you're used to seeing in the Star Wars universe and unless most of the time you're talking about the Empire yeah no it's nice to see someone who's like kind of like as some military efficiency, you know? Um, although I guess, you know, don't want to sell Akbar short, but uh, he does lead them into a trap, I guess. Uh, I like the idea that General Dodona is being like the grumpy old dad and is like, no, you'll stay right here, ma'am. And she's like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm out of here, son. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, if we get flying through the galaxy, we will all be... I think having a blast. So more, uh, more Akbar. Yeah, more Akbar. Can we get basically Akbar just give us Futurama flying through the galaxy? <laughs> we got like a girl. We got it. We got a Zoidberg. Let's. Oh, we got a robot R two. So we got our Bender. Yeah, like right? we're well on our way. Thank you for calling R two Bender and not C three PO. You're the hand, you're the man for, uh, for doing that. C three PO is a tool. Yeah. <laughs> Who would C-3PO be? Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I meant more like the professor. But, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, that also works. He definitely would be Anthony Michael Hall. I don't um, know why I always make that mental It was just such a quick reaction. Like, you thought about it. <laughs> uh, we also had some great comics from Marvel this week. And one of them that uh, just kind of like had a big changeover in the last issue uh, was Spider-Woman. Uh, in Spider-Woman number four, we actually ended up having Jessica Drew rolls into S.H.I.E.L.D. and quits being an Avenger. And uh, this one is kind of a new beginning for her. She's kind of setting out and figuring out exactly what she's going to do. Um, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Dennis Hopeless did the writing. I think we had Javier Rodriguez on uh, pencils and color. And then uh, Alvaro Lopez did the inking. And uh, Jessica even has, like, a cool different suit, different costume that I don't Finally. think we've seen in a while. So it's great. I don't think we've ever seen her in that costume. I hate her other costumes, so I'm really glad she has something that's, like, I don't know, just not as one-suit leotardy. Um, I really like where the story's going. I, I like Dennis Hopeless a lot, actually. He did a Avengers Arena and Avengers Under. Cover, I think it was called, and I really like both those series. And Spider Woman's always been a character that has never really interested me at all. I don't know, like specifically the Jessica Drew character has never really stuck out as a character. And I know they've like tried to revamp her over the years. And Bendis, like, did her big old thing with uh, when he rebooted Avengers back right before Civil War, I think. But like this issue, I liked a lot more having her just kind of. Wanting to get out of the like mainstream superhero world. Yeah, like I think I don't know. I think it's kind of cool to to see her trying to like find crime on the street, like she's you know Peter Parker who just got his powers, and to see kind of like some of the things that go a little bit crazy. It works out really well. I think it's got a nice like light tone to it, and I like that it kind of ends up being a det- more of a detective story than like an episodic like comic. Um, yeah, any time you can throw the porcupine into a story. <laughs> As a sympathetic villain. I'm all dead. 
So you know how I feel about C-list villains. Yeah, we do indeed. I, I gotta they say, they mentioned the big wheel in this comic. <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> Let's not forget the big wheel's real name is uh, small. No, it's something wheel. I can't. I can't remember. But his last name is just. So I was half right. <laughs> it's just. It's wheel with a e at the end. I'm pretty sure. Wow. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just make it like Wheeler or yeah, something. Yeah, his name is Jackson Wheel. <laughs> Super discreet. Oh, so man. solid. Way to play it close to the vest. <laughs> yeah. They'll never find me. The only thing that I didn't like about this art is, oh my god, the face on Ben Urich in the last panel of this book is like the creepiest image that I've oh, seen yeah. in a long I, time. Like when I saw that, I was like, is he a villain? I was like, yeah, is he up to no good? Like, what's going on here? He looks like a sexual predator. <laughs> That's not the good. That's not the look that works out for you, Ben Yurik. Uh Maybe rethink this one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that combination is. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, speaking of rethinking things, uh, I initially had to rethink whether or not I wanted to read the next comic, uh, and I rather quickly uh, rethought that I did want to read it because Scotty Young. Uh, has been writing Rocket Raccoon. I think they're eight or this is issue nine, so they're nine issues in. Uh, Jake Parker's doing the art, and Jean Francois Beaulieu. Oh, we damn it! My French pronunciation. Jean Francois Beaulieu. Beaulieu, I think is what it would be. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Beaulieu, maybe it's I don't know. Beaulieu, like the the bear of the jungle book. Oh, Let's go Beaulieu. With that. Okay. Yeah. Beaulieu, I don't know if yeah. that's right. I just like it more. All right. Well, you know, that's like fine. The bear from the jungle book. Absolutely. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and, you know, Scotty Young has been doing, like, the covers for most of these, which um, initially, like, was the reason that I was, like, taken off by the book, because I was like, sweet, a book written and drawn by Scotty Young? That's everything I've ever wanted, ever. And I mm. opened up the cover, and I was like, this isn't Scotty Young art. What the hell? But uh, I quickly began reading this book and have enjoyed the crap out of it. This issue, it's... This one is much more kind of episodic, like they all are, but they have been loosely connected. This one tells kind of like a flash-forwardy story, uh, and we get like crazy old man bearded Rocket, which is kind of the best thing ever, fighting in like yeah. an underground fight club. <laughs> he has one eye. <laughs> and he has like a, a mustache and like a go- goatee beard going on. <laughs> oh, man. But the best part of the best part of this comic is that he just punks everyone in this comic. Like, he doesn't even show up for, like, the first pa- first few panels and then handles business all the way through. Um, and, and in the end, they finally do get back to, um, like, the story that they were on. Uh, uh, I just like Mecha Rocket. Yeah. The Mecha Rocket suit was amazing. Yeah, he gets into, like, um, uh, like a, a Guardian's, like, jet essentially and it transforms macross style into a giant like <laughs> rocket raccoon robot <laughs> i just have to say too in this issue this uh week's ep- uh issue of angela uh-huh. uh she's with the guardians and under rocket's name it says scotty young's retirement fund <laughs> which i thought was great is the is so I didn't read Angela this week. Did it uh, tie into Black Vortex? No, it doesn't. Which is Angela and Guardians both don't tie into Black Vortex this week. Yeah, because I read Guardians and saw that it didn't. So they both like super threw me off because the last two Guardians books I read have been Black Vortex. 
Yeah, but um, and then I, I I went back and I checked, and it looks like the next issue of Guardians will be in the Black Vortex, which will be next week. This issue of Angel is actually pretty good, though. She is definitely like she works a lot better with a team dynamic. And her and Gamora are super badass together. That's just two more ladies that would love to have like their own spinoff comic and just going through the universe and beat the shit out of things. Yep. Oh, yeah. So at, at one point, someone tries to kill Angela, and Gamora kills her, and she's like, if anyone's going to kill Angela, it'll be someone worthy. And she's like, as in you? And she says, I would use my best blade. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but I just I, you know it's speaking of that Angela book, it's like it's kind of a lot more dark and gritty, like which oh way more yeah yeah it almost reminds me of like early nineties like like don't put that fiction. evil on this book I don't know like not <laughs> n- not in like not in quality but in like kind of the tone that it's at you know like um it's very like it kind of like walks the line between being like strictly like cosmic and like fantasy inspired which i think like you know angel's always been kind of there's on. A, a lot of it honestly kind of reminds me of excalibur in a weird way yeah uh because there's just like excalibur always did that too it had like a weird fantasy and sci-fi angle to it when claremont was writing it so that's that's worth uh that's worth a peek you know if we i'll put a uh i'll put a link to that as well in the notes for everyone there the next thing is a book that i actually did not um uh, that I didn't get a, a chance to read, and that is uh, all new Hawkeye. I kind of like uh, it. It was the last thing that I was going to be reading, but I never really got all the way through it uh, as we were, you know, getting ready to record. But uh, this one is surprisingly. I think it kind of caught me off guard because we haven't even gotten the final issue of the um, of the fraction written Hawkeye mm-hmm. book. Uh, but they kind of jumped the gun here, and uh, we get a issue from, uh, let's see, i got to find who. Jeff Lemire. Yeah, Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez are on the story. Ian Herring uh, on color, and uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Ian Herring and Ramon Perez are doing the art there. So, God. I, like, th- there's a section of this book, though, when I was like flipping through that I was like, wait, is... Like this is exactly Hawkeye, you know. Like, <laughs> well, is it is, is it the same artist? Uh, I think that uh, I think that Ramon Perez is the same guy that did the uh, that did the art for the uh, older Hawkeye books. It, it has to be because it's it's almost identical. Uh, no, it's David Aha who's on oh, the, uh, wow. on the art before. So he's definitely like emulating the art in the middle, right? It looks it looks exactly like fucking Aha. Yeah, because I, I I had the same thought, but um, I really liked it for. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to read something that's written by Matt Fraction and then go to a, like it doesn't matter who is writing it. I'm gonna be like, oh well, you're not Matt Fraction. Yeah, like I don't I don't know. Like that'd be like watching Avengers two and then watching Fantastic Four. It's like, <laughs> oh well, you're not you're not Avengers two. <laughs> um, but I actually really liked like what i read the back and forth between uh katie and clint was dead on and like it was really quick and witty and funny um and the whole time you're getting like this backstory of clint and it kind of like interweaves with the rest of the story and it's all about his seldomly talked about brother trickshot and him like as kids yep and it shows them running away from like their abusive foster parents. And the the last panel, 
uh, they show up at the circus. I, I gotta say, it's very clear that uh, Jeff Lemire has been reading the Hawkeye comic because, like you said in the middle, that Kate and Clint banter is just absolutely perfect. Um, I think I think a big part of this is that I think that Ian Herring did the color on on the event uh, on the Hawkeye books as well. Oh uh, yeah, that's... and so I think that might be some of the. No, of course not. No, totally wrong as well. Matt Hollingsworth <laughs> on the cover. Yeah, just wow. uh, just batting batting zero today, guys. Uh, as uh, all new Hawkeye number one uh, did come out. I, I was actually trying to look to see. Do we know when we get the next issue of uh, the Fractions? The, of yeah, the final issue of Fractions book. Uh, I don't. I don't know. But while you find that out, uh, we had a couple other books that came out this week. Uh, dipping over into Image, we had uh, Nailbiter, um, which uh, I know Ryan, you've been uh, a big fan of as of late. Uh, this yeah. one, uh, this one was kind of like a, a one shot story. Um, so, uh, I, I read it because like, I haven't read the last issue of Nailbiter. Well, it's a, well, it takes place before. before. Yeah. yeah. But, but it was fine. Like I didn't miss anything or anything like that. So I was, um, I, I enjoyed it. I liked the art. I thought the writing wasn't, wasn't bad at all. So, you know, like I was, I was down and it, and yeah. it even got like two comics within it. So, well, Hackslash is created, uh, it was created by... Oh god damn it! Tim Seeley, and it it was over at Devil's Due before Image like picked it up, and it's all about this girl. She's like a Buffy esque character that's way more hypersexualized, and she hunts down slashers with this giant like bodyguard named Vlad. And so this issue was just all about like she's in Buckaroo uh, hunting, and she comes across the nailbiter way before he becomes the the serial killer, like known as Nailbiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she actually ends up running into a different serial killer, and then it wraps up at the end into a neat, tiny little ball where everything comes back around, and you find out Nailbiter was already killing by then. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was just like if you follow the Nailbiter series, uh, you don't have to read Hack and Slash at all to like understand what's going on here. And it was just really a nice look into the character. Um, I keep forgetting his damn name. I just keep calling him Nailbiter because that's what everyone calls him. Uh, Warren. Uh, it gives you like a lot of like uh, like a lot more depth into his character that hasn't really you haven't seen a whole lot in that actual like title book. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was like a just like a, a nice one shot to to have, and then the the wrestling story is just kind of kooky and funny. Yeah, I gotta say, like seeing Vlad, um, like just like hanging out in the background. It's like weird but amazing at the same time. Yeah, he's a really cool character. If you ever get a chance to read the Hackslash, like despite its like super overt like interface sexual tones, it's actually a really cool just like horror comic. He gives me he gives me the like vibe of uh, Q from Street Fighter Third Strike. If anyone <laughs> played obscure fighting games, or uh, or Sloth from Goonies. Yeah, if Sloth if Sloth could talk more. Yeah, if Sloth like was more eloquent and. Let's I would see. love for Vlad to just show up there and go be like, hey, you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd definitely be a change of tone for that hack and slash comic, right? <laughs> I fucking love Goonies. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, there's nothing, nothing better than the Goondocks. Uh, but uh, this week, also from Jeff Lemire and I think Dustin Nguyen uh, did the art. Uh, we had 
the this is the first issue of it, right? Of yep. Descender. Yeah. Um, and this art is like like unique is the first word that comes to mind, but also great. I'm a hardcore Dustin Nguyen fan. Yeah. Um, he's absolutely fucking incredible. Like everything he touches looks fantastic. So I'll, I'll, he's like one of those artists that's kind of like, uh, uh, like Jim Lee to me almost, or, uh, what's the other? He's like iconic for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's a really iconic artist. He's done a lot of DC. So there's just a lot of like Superman, Batman stuff that sticks out in my head, uh, with him. So I was really stoked to see him on the book. When I was reading through it, I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I was like, I wonder who did the color on this. Cause like, it's so much like a part of the art, but sure enough, like uh, Dustin Wynn did all of it. He did the color, the art, the line. So I, I love like the like watercolor feel that it has all the way through. And like the way that he like blends like shapes and colors together um, there's like a big panel where you can see there's like these like like crystalline like sculptures and stuff. And even like there's like several shots with like a fish tank in the background. And like, I don't know, it just looks. He's very good at like emoting. Like his characters have a lot of emotion in their face. Like I feel like even if the words weren't there, you would know exactly how the character is feeling, which I really dig. It's definitely something when you and Kelsey get a chance to like read through more of it, it it gave me a total like saga vibe, not the sense <laughs> of in the tone, but in it's it's like shaping a universe. Because even at the end, it gives you like an atlas of the core planets of the United Galactic Council, and there's like symbols for all the different like council, and that's how I kind of felt when I first read Saga. Like I was figuring out who the races were, and like who like what what their characters were all about. That's uh, definitely where I feel like this book is going. Mm-hmm. It's all about basically like this planet that gets annihilated by a robot and uh, like 10 years later this kid who is a, seems to be a robot just wakes up in the middle of the space station and it's been 10 years and everyone he knows is dead. And he has a the, robot dog named Bandit. He has a robot – yeah, yeah. a robot dog named Bandit. Uh, <laughs> so- and it like – yeah, and it switches back and forth between him and like the doctor, uh, like Quan character. I think is his name. Yeah, uh, so Jim they're gonna be, Quan. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be like the main characters switching back and forth as we kind of. I guess my guess is we'll be piecing together what happened in between those ten years. Yeah, uh, no. I mean, I was super excited because at the end of this comic, uh, I I like just finished it right before we talked. Uh, and uh there's like the the last panel is this like again like a ragtag group of what i can only assume are like mercenaries or hunters and like there's some pretty varied races there i love anytime anytime that science fiction as a medium um is willing to like push the boundaries and do planning outside of just like the planet or the place or the spaceship that they're on and they're willing to spend some time looking at like different societies, different systems. Um, like, I mean, like I, I, I enjoy a system where like travel time isn't faster than light and you have to deal with like the issues of like, you know, where are you going in the universe? And I can see that framework here. Uh, it, it's going to be something that I keep an eye on uh, going forward, but I would love it if we could get more out of this book. You know, again, we, we've praised this art, but 26 pages or whatever it was of this art, like wasn't enough for me. So um, Jeff Lemire is like a pretty dynamic writer. I mean, he's doing the Hawkeye book, but he's also, uh, he's done some just really 
fucking astounding, like some crazy Sweet Tooth and Animal Man. Um, he had like an independent uh, book series called the Essex County Trilogy, which is fucking fantastic. Um, he's he's a really talented writer who has just started kind of breaking into the mainstream. So uh, I just like I, I expect a lot from it. I have high hopes. And he usually, I think, does the art on his own books that he writes, but he's not doing it on this one. Anyways, definitely a comic to look forward to. So Descendants number one, or Descender number one, excuse me, out this week. Uh, and the last thing that I want to talk about in terms of comics um, was just this kind of like quirky little book that they've been, that's on issue number two. It is Return of the Living Deadpool. And uh, <laughs> written by Cullen Bunn, uh, Nick Varela is doing the art. And basically it tells the story of a zombie apocalypse in which the zombies are, like, feasting on the living, and Deadpool, like, heroically sacrifices himself because he's like, I'll save everyone because they can just eat me. But instead, a a bunch of the zombies turned into Deadpools, and now there's a bunch of rogue Deadpools roaming around this post-apocalyptic society. And as you can guess, a... A book about a zombie apocalypse with multiple Deadpools appearing in it is a pretty good time. So uh, if you enjoy any of those things, I highly suggest you guys uh, take a peek. If anything, just to have another zombie book that's not The Walking Dead going on. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. It's It's been a nice kind of like uh, stopover in between. In between the books. And then one last word, uh, The Iron Fist, The Living Weapon. Yeah. Issue 10 came out this week. Uh, this one has Carrie uh, uh, Kyle Andrews doing uh, the writing and the art. And my favorite part about this run is that Danny's pretty much just, like, going insane. He thinks that his, like, mentor Fu is still alive, and he keeps, like, hallucinating Fu, like, talking to him and hanging out with him and giving advice in the middle of this fight. The art is so fucking rad. Yeah, but like if 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 you ever wanted to know like how metal a uh, Iron Fist comic could get, there's a page where Danny is facing off against a mechanical abomination of chi, and Danny is on fire because he has the chi of all Kunlun flowing through him. Uh, like, God, everything is just so vibrant and like violent and emotional. And oh god! And there's literally a three-page splash of him punching that thing in the fucking face. Yeah, and it's it looks so <laughs> brutally so violent. Good. That sounds amazing. I love this comic. It's so like it's so old school, seventies style like kung fu movie. Yeah. No, That's... like it, it, it. You know, they they play with the whole like it, you can pick out all of the like kung fu movie like tropes, right? Like. The switching around of the master and apprentice, you find like, you know, family ties that you didn't know about, Uh, you know, the evilest enemy has a son, daughter, slash uh, brother, sister that turns sides and helps out the, 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 you know, the good guys, Um, crazy intergalactic demon forces. I mean, I will say, anytime they show the face of this thing, I just get, like, super creeped out. Uh, yeah, he's gross. Fucking... It's, like, part his dad, right? Yeah. It's, like, the the mechanical abomination of his dad's consciousness fused with the wretched chi of Kunlun. Yeah, it's, it's bonkers, but, you know, 
it's been a good ten issues so far, and I th- I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that it 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 keeps going because there was a bit of a time in between the Brewbreaker and Fraction Run um, that we didn't have. And Iron Fist comic. Yeah, and it was it was a sad time in my life. I didn't like that time. So uh, so yeah, good news there. I want to give props real quick before yeah, we get to Emerald City Comic Con just announced. You. That they will have an all genders bathroom, which yeah. I just gotta say, comic books are constantly progressive. Like they are the forefront of just like progressivism in like progression in the United States, and like hearing that shit makes me so goddamn happy. And they were one of the first cons that I, I go to pretty much all the cons on the West Coast, generally. Um, and that was the first one that I ever saw the cosplay is not consent poster at. So that made me very happy too with them a couple of years ago. So yeah, ECCC you, just kind of gets it fucking right. Really, all if, the you, time. if you talk to any like comic creator or comic industry person who's located on the West Coast or the Northwest, they will have nothing but positive things to say about Emerald City Comic Con, folks. If you guys do have the time, I believe it's what the March twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and 29th this year, there or April, March. I don't remember anymore. It's March. <laughs> I, think. I think it's the twenty seventh, twenty ninth. I think you're you are right on the money there. Yeah. Um, uh, so if you guys are interested in that, I'll put a link to the uh, ECCC uh, website as well, so you guys can get some uh, you know tickets or. They're pretty much already sold out on Saturday and Friday. Tickets are going real quick. But if you're going, then you can come and hang out with me. (laughs) Uh, And I think and and, um, last year when we went, it was like if you wanted to get a ticket the day of, you could. You know, it was you might have to pay 10 more dollars and pay cash only to a dude outside on the street corner. But (laughs) Um, you know, you, you can get into ECCC if you want to, and no matter what your, you know, nerdy desires might be, um, whether it's getting amazing artists to sign your books, uh, to get, to have a conversation with them. Uh, last year, Kels and I were lucky enough to meet Matt Fraction while we were there. And Zdarsky. We, and Chip Zdarsky. We met, uh, we met Bab Star before she even like had the, the Batgirl book on there. Um, we had a blast. If you guys are into like Dungeons and Dragons or any kind of role playing game, they have a whole gaming area. They run like a Magic the Gathering tournament. If that's your jam, basically Emerald City Comic Con. If you're gonna be in Seattle and you enjoy nerdy things, stop by for one day. You might see the rest of your day disappear, but you'll probably have a good time. So it's the best. I that's my favorite con hands down. That's the only one I go to like consistently every single year. Because it's just is always so good, and it's like despite the fact that it's like the third <laughs> biggest con out of all the ones in the, the continental U.S., it's also like not crazy ridiculous, gross, crowded all the time. So it's nice. And Seattle's a beautiful, wonderful city. Yeah, and then you get to hang out in Seattle. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, we don't all get to hang out in Seattle at the end of this cast. Uh, it's just got to end, and then we've all got to go to sleep, and I've got to begin editing uh so um we want to thank you guys as usual for watching uh watching yeah your (laughs) we've transcended your senses and you were actually just using your sight the whole time uh we want to thank you guys so much for uh listening to the show um as usual you guys can find us on twitter at 2g1g talk comics um i think we've 
finally got the whole iTunes jam worked out, so this episode should show up on the iTunes feed as well. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys have any other questions, feel free to email the show, uh, two guys and a girl talk comics at gmail.com, and we'll get back right to you guys. Um, otherwise, we love you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much, and until next week, enjoy your comics. To hear more of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast, or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations, follow us on Twitter at 2G1GTalkComics. That's the number 2G, the number 1G, Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at Two Guys and a Girl Talk Comics at gmail.com. All letters this time. As always, you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our Podbean at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time. Next time.